The scripture lesson for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. And let me read it for you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the, uh, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. We are grateful to God that today our local preacher, Dr. Wang Chimei, would preach to us the title, the sermon entitled, Hope, Even in Jericho. Dr. Chimei, please. Thank you. Morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to hear your word to us this morning, may you grant that your word would be food to our minds, joy to our hearts, delight to our spirits, and salvation to our souls. May your Holy Spirit make us fruitful ground as we ask for all these blessings for our good and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic, I used to travel all over the world on holidays. As you know, Malaysian tour groups tend to be very large, composed usually of 30 to 40 people per group. At each scenic point, the tour guide would usually gather everybody around to explain the essential facts about the place we were visiting. You can imagine the scene. 30 to 40 giants and me pushed out to the periphery. Even if I were to stand on tiptoe, there was no way I could see or hear anything. So usually, I would wander off by myself to take my own photos and then come back when everybody else has left. And today's scripture passage reminds me of a similar situation in the life of Jesus' final journey to Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, come with me and imagine yourselves boarding a time capsule, travelling back in time 2,000 years. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, 
This is your Captain Luke speaking. Welcome on board flight LK19, bound for Jericho. Our flight time will be approximately 30 minutes. And supper will be served. So, sit back, fasten your seatbelts, and let's listen to the word of the Lord. In Luke 18, we read that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he had been teaching his disciples that he would be killed there. But then, on the third day, he would rise again. They didn't understand what these things meant and failed to grasp what Jesus said. As they approached Jericho, a blind beggar sitting by the roadside learned that Jesus of Nazareth was passing through. And immediately he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He refused to keep quiet and keep his voice down and continued yelling until Jesus stood still, asked him to come and granted him what he wanted, which was to regain his sight. So with his eyes now seeing, the previously blind beggar immediately followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. This tumult, noise, and the astonishing news of this miraculous healing must have preceded Jesus as he passed through Jericho. Crowds must have gathered along the street to see the spectacle of this man who could perform miracles and had the scandalous reputation of partying with tax collectors, prostitutes, and sinners. Luke 19, verse 2, tells us that a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but there were three things against him which prevented him from seeing Jesus. Firstly, he was a chief tax collector. As a chief tax collector, Zacchaeus controlled the collection of taxes around Jericho for the Romans. Like the CEO on an apex of the pyramid system of today, he would have had many junior tax collectors working under him. Tax collectors were despised in lieu of their occupation because nobody likes to be forced to pay taxes to the occupying imperial forces who often oppressed them. They were regarded as collaborators and with the enemy and traitors to their own people. They were treated with contempt and deemed religiously defiled and unacceptable before God. This is quite an irony with a name like Zacchaeus, which means clean or pure, don't you think? Secondly, he was wealthy. His wealth was most probably gained through dishonest means. 
as tax collectors could impose any amount over and beyond what Rome asked for, and often skimming off the excess for themselves. Their greed often surmounted any scruples of decency they might otherwise entertain. Thirdly, he was short. His height was a handicap and a source of embarrassment to him in this case, as the people deliberately formed a human wall to obstruct his view of the procession of Jesus passing through Jericho. Nobody took pity on him to make room for him to get a front-line view. So verse 4 tells us, So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Grown-up, wealthy, and dignified men did not run or climb trees in that culture, nor in ours, for that matter. One would especially avoid climbing a sycamore fig tree, which, although broad and shady, have high branches, which would require Zacchaeus to climb a significant height up the trunk of the tree in order to get a perch on which to sit and wait for Jesus to pass that way. The crowd underneath would have seen and ridiculed the comical sight of the short, unpopular guy up in the tree, all exposed to those below on the ground. But Zacchaeus didn't care. He just wanted to see Jesus. Why? Why was his hunger to see Jesus so urgent that he would expose himself to mockery and shame? Could it be that in spite of all that he owned, his possessions could not satisfy the emptiness in his heart? He had no friends. He was under no delusion that the town hated him and envied his wealth. Was there anyone who would see him for who he truly was, look at him with friendly eyes, and compassion, and offer him a kind word? Could God grant him the forgiveness that he so desperately sought when the temple doors seemed shut, slammed shut in his face? Where could he go to find the peace which he so obviously lacked? Where could he go to find mercy in a sea of judgment? What about us? Do we also face a wall of this indignation when our sin and shame catch up with us? Do we encounter walls of prejudice and condemnation rather than compassion and mercy 
because of the colour of our skin, the awkwardness of our bodies, our past histories of shame? Who among us can claim to have never sinned, to have never told a lie, betrayed a trust, or failed to keep a promise? In a culture that is so fond of casting stones of judgment, can we find a haven where forgiveness and mercy is offered instead? Where God's salvation is freely accessible to sinners rather than restrained and limited by rules and regulations of religious etiquette. In verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Brothers and sisters, if you were hearing this story for the very first time, you would have realized that this is the climax of the story. Luke had built the tension up till this point. When we, the hearers, are supposed to ask, what's Jesus going to do? You know Queen Elizabeth, when she sits in her royal car and she drives past like this? Right? Okay. Well, he just gives a regal wave to Zacchaeus. Smile, nod, say hi. Join the crowds, laugh at him, at this funny man up in the tree. Or just simply ignore him completely, pretending he hadn't seen him. As we wait with bated breath, to see Jesus' reaction. We hear Jesus saying to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus saw Zacchaeus, stopped, told Zacchaeus to come down from the tree and open his house as his guest for the day. He immediately did as Jesus asked, gladly welcoming Jesus into his home. The crowds were displeased as they self-righteously muttered, at Jesus for associating with the most notorious sinner in their community. When Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus, up on the fig tree, do you think he knew that just over a week from then, the roles would be reversed? That he would be the one on the tree of crucifixion and the crowds would be mocking him and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Come down from the cross so that we might see and believe. Brothers and sisters, do we behave like those in the crowds in Jericho that day? 
with the tendency to prejudge people by appearance before giving them a chance to explain themselves? Do we also imagine that our sins are little before God when compared to others who are gross sinners? Are we sensitive to the feelings of those we criticize or don't we care that we hurt them by our attitudes or words? The Bible is silent on what transpired in the house between Jesus and Zacchaeus. But when the doors of his house opened once again, we read in verse 8, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you see that he now addresses Jesus as his Lord? Jesus was no longer just a stranger, an attraction, a people, a person of interest. He was now Zacchaeus' Lord, the one whom he confesses as his sovereign God and master. Zacchaeus didn't stand at his doorway giving his witness to what Jesus had done to him. He didn't rush off to the temple to offer sacrifices. No. What he did was what he needed to do. Where he was, as he was. And by doing so, demonstrated the transformation that being at the table of mercy, which Jesus shared with him that day, wrought in his heart. He promised to give half of his possessions to the poor and offered a fourfold restitution to all whom he had previously defrauded by way of his acts of unfair taxation. Zacchaeus unknowingly impoverished himself, emptying most of his wealth before Jesus' feet, submitting himself to fulfill the law of Moses, as we found in Exodus chapter 22, verse 1. Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. And to the restoration of fellowship with all whom he had offended in the past, as we read in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Seeing this, Jesus said to him in verses 9 and 10, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
the lost. Jesus rejoiced. The camel has gone through the eye of the needle. You can look, read it up in Luke 18, 25. And the prodigal son has finally come home. Again, you can find it in Luke 15. Just as Jesus gave up his life for the redemption of the world, like the merchant selling everything he owned to purchase the pearl of great price. So Zacchaeus gave up his wealth in order to follow Jesus. What about us? Are we willing to do the same? Jesus had to go to Jerusalem to complete his mission of redemption by dying on the cross and rising again on the third day to save the world from sin and its penalty of death. But there was a need in Jericho which he had to attend to first. No matter that it had been a city cursed in the name of God hundreds of years earlier, there was a divine appointment of grace with a man named Zacchaeus who needed to hear his words of forgiveness, to be given a new identity as a son of Abraham, who desperately needed to belong, to be accepted by the Son of Man as part of God's reconciled and restored family. The Gospel of Mark records a similar healing of a blind beggar named Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, when they left Jericho. The Synoptic Gospels sandwiched this story of Zacchaeus between stories of the healing of two blind beggars before and after Jesus' journey through Jericho. Who were the blind in these accounts? And who were the ones whose eyes were miraculously opened and granted divine sight? Who truly saw Jesus as he was? The crowds? The blind beggars? Or Zacchaeus? Jericho the first of the Canaanite cities to be utterly destroyed when the Israelites entered the Promised Land under Joshua over 3,000 years ago, was now the last place which Jesus would pass through on his final journey to Jerusalem. Jesus would not pass that way again. There, a man deemed lost to Israel, to God, encountered Jesus. Zacchaeus was given a new life, a new hope. If he can find hope, even in Jericho, then can't we? All of us 
have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can turn to another and say, Depart from me, you wicked and evil sinner. There is only one who can, and he has chosen not to. There is only one Saviour whom God has sent into the world to save sinners. And he has finished the work the Father has sent him to do. Salvation has come to our world. Now it is our task to turn to our brothers and sisters, to the world, and to bring this good news to all. May God grant us eyes to see him as he is and hearts to confess and worship him with all that we are and have. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are like the kids in Jericho more than we would ever realize. All the sneering remarks, the mocking laughter, the insulting glare, the slight brush-offs which we have encountered through life, they all add onto the walls that we build around our hearts to protect us from further hurts. Our own walls of Jericho grow thicker and higher every day, encasing us within the husks of an impenetrable fortress which we call self where no one can enter to hurt us anymore. But then we forget that we cannot get out either. Only the trumpet of God, the gentleness of Christ's grace, and the softening whisper of your Holy Spirit can penetrate and descend upon our hardened hearts our frightened souls, to end this self-imprisonment, to cause the walls of our Jericho to tumble down so that the Lord can enter to sup with us once again. And so, Lord, help us as we partake of the Holy Communion before us to remember that you have come to seek and to save the lost. And that's who we truly are, and that you have made us welcome at your table of mercy. We give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen.